Good afternoon, everybody. It is a great and glorious day in the best little city in America. Welcome to another two hours of lively conversation and analysis that is the Patrick Lally Show. Unfortunately, Uber producer Dan Peters is out of the studio today, so it's just me and you and a series of high-quality guests this afternoon. Thanks for spending some of your precious time with us today, whether you're cruising the city out there in a vehicle, putting in the hard hours in an office or job site, streaming through KSOO.com or on the KSOO mobile app. Welcome. Welcome all. Remember that you can watch this show live on KSOO Facebook page or reach out to us through Twitter at P. Lally Show. We try and keep you up to date on all the happenings and goings and comings on this show through our Twitter feed. I've decided uh, lately that it is actually time for me to get back in some resemblance of cycling shape. And so, you know, I talk about riding around town a lot and riding my bike to work and all that, uh, you know, because it's good to be outside. And But now, you know, to really get into like actual shape, which I haven't been in for a couple of years, a eh, year, it's, it's back to the trainer in the winter. Indoor cycling, the grind, the torture chamber. Uh, and for years, the, the getting on a trainer was just like an exercise in torture. You know, you put your bike on some sort of contraption that holds the wheel up off the ground, and then there's some sort of resistance. It was just awful, awful, because it was basically just, you know, one speed. And, you know, you try and watch TV, listen to music, whatever, to take your mind off it, but it, it just was awful. And if you got an hour in, you were doing well. But I tell you that what's amazing is, and this isn't just about cycling, what's amazing to me is the advances in technology that's opened up this whole new world for people who like to stay fit to some degree, which I know is a lot of you people. Um, with bikes, it's, it's these smart trainers, and they're integrated with uh, electronic controls. And there's been some variation of that out there for a while, but now there's a lot of them. The prices come way down, and they're awesome. Well, now you add into that uh, the sort of internet gaming culture, and it is amazing. It creates, there's a program out there called Zwift with a Z, Z-W-I-F-T, and there's some other ones, but this is the one I use. It creates this virtual world of riding and racing, and you get in there and there's people all over the world, any time of the day. It's, it's the same sort of concept as like, uh, you know, the internet-based uh, war games or fantasy games that allow you to compete against friends wherever they are, uh, you know, get dive into these uh, uh, virtual reality rooms, essentially, uh, worlds that you can create and interact with. And, you know, it's just amazing. It is amazing. And there have been recent uh, integrations or uh, innovations that have upgraded the graphics and all that. It has changed the whole winter training experience uh, I used to race a little bit on Zwift, but I haven't done it for a while. Well, I started again last week, right? Because I I gotta I gotta get back into shape of some sort. Last year's racing reminded me that you actually have to be in shape, and so last week I got into a race with a friend of mine. Well, let's just say it was a suffer fest, as we like to say, uh, but it's a good thing. Um, you know, you you taste a little of the blood in your lungs. You know that feeling. Good times. Then yesterday about noon, and this is kind of the amazing thing, I jumped in 
for a workout before I came into the studio. And I ended up hooking up with this large contingent of Eastern Europeans because, you know, the time change, time zones, right? It's evening in, in Europe. And there's all these, Europe, I mean, uh, Poland, Czechoslovakia, Germany, Slovakia. It's just nuts. And what's crazy is that I'm sitting there riding with them and you have this little chat room thing that goes with it. And they're, they're talking to each other in whatever Eastern European Slavic language they were using. And it was just wild, really fun. And uh, today my legs are sore, which is a good sign that I was doing something uh, hard. You know, I was pushing myself. And, and you just can't do that when you're just pounding out the miles trying to watch a movie or something. Uh, it's, it really is. It draws you in. And it's the, it's this concept of virtual reality that I think is really um, amazing to experience. And there's, you know, all these uh, VR viewers and, uh, you know, you can get uh, things for your phone and you can, uh, you know, there's the Oculus and all. But the experience changes your brain in some way that is uh, fundamental. Okay, you get it feels like reality, right? And you push yourself well beyond what you would normally do. It, it kind of rewires your brain. And this isn't like an advertisement for Zwift. That's just the one I use. But more out of just ama- amazement how far technology has come to let us go into these different worlds. I'm reminded of the uh, Star Trek uh, holodeck. You know, it's not that far away. It really is uh, a real-time experience that transcends other, uh, you know, types of of modification or training or what have you. I really recommend it. And uh, if you want to see what Zwift looks like, you just go Google it. There's YouTube videos and stuff that look just like what it would the experience is, and you'll see what I'm talking about. And for you runners out there, and I know there's a lot of people out there who like to run, especially in the winter, and it's tough. Uh, there's a running version that is not really uh, official yet, but you can hack into it. It's pretty cool. A lot of people in there running on Zwift. So you hook up to your trainer, and it's just amazing, really amazing. I, If you want to try and stay active at all in the winter, there's all kinds of options for you out there now that didn't used to exist because, frankly, it was drudgery before, and it's not drudgery anymore. little tip for you. We've got a great show for you today. Our guests include the Smart Cyclist, who will be with us to wrap up the Riddlebox experience that I have been talking about and looking forward to the upcoming Bike Summit in Sioux Falls and some other events that are coming up. Major Thomas Riggs of the Salvation Army will tell us about the Red Kettle Match Day, which is a, a big event here for the Salvation Army and raising money for the Salvation Army. We'll preview a holiday evening at the Pettigrew Home and Museum, which is a fabulous place. If you've never been, that's tonight, and it will be a really good opportunity to go and uh, just experience the Pettigrew Home. It's amazing. Uh, Kevin Gans will be with us from the museum. Dan Brentrell will be back on the show to update us on his efforts to fund research on Friedrich's ataxia. It's a debilitating and often fatal disease that has afflicted his daughter. You'll remember uh, Dan was on the show a couple of weeks ago with Peter Vitiello. And um, Vitiello is, of course, a researcher with Sanford. And they're raising money to fund a year of research into this disease. It's really amazing. And we'll find out how that's going. And then Benson Langett, who recently became a 
professional sponsored distance runner. He's a Sioux Falls guy and USD graduate. Uh, a lot of you folks out there who are runners or have been to 605 Running Company downtown know Benson. Uh, great story, and, and he'll be in in the second hour. Of course, I will have a P&L statement just after the break. Today's topic, um, you know, we got the taxes, we got the net neutrality, we got a stupid man update. We'll hit all that. It'll be fun. That's all coming up next on the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO. 317 on the Patrick Lally Show. And here we are another day getting a little closer to free, we hope, because that's the goal. Maintaining our liberty, our personal liberty, our personal freedoms, our civil rights and our human rights. That's what I'm all about, man. Getting a little closer to free. And it's time of the day for the uh, P&L statement. Looking through the news. We do have a stupid man update today. In fact, we've got a couple. Uh, Travis Smiley, another PBS uh, TV and radio host uh, has been, ta- I'm sorry, Tavis Smiley. I always mess that up. Uh, they, he has been suspended after finding what it has called troubling allegations of sexual misconduct, making him the second high-profile star to be ousted from a network known for its highbrow, genteel programming. Uh, of course, you remember Charlie Rose got whacked uh, for his weird behavior. Uh, so now a couple of, uh, uh, or some allegation, uh, I don't know how many, multiple credible allegations, they say, um, that uh, is consistent is inconsistent with the values and standards of PBS. Uh, his show's page at PBS was scrubbed on Thursday. Uh, Smiley, for his part, says the PBS overreacted, calling it a rush for judgment. He said he has never sl- harassed anyone and claimed one relationship the network uncovered was consensual. Quote, if having a consensual relationship with a colleague years ago is the stuff that leads to this kind of public humiliation and personal destruction, heaven help us, he said. This has gone too far, and I, for one, intend to fight back. So we'll see where that one goes. Uh, yeah, hard to say. Um, so Farenhold, Texas Republican Representative Blake Farenhold, who's been under fire for some allegations of sexual inappropriate behavior, he's not going to run for re-election. He says he's, he's done. Um, the accusations against Farenthold first surfaced in 2014 when a former aide sued him over sexually suggestive comments and behavior that she'd been fired after she complained. Uh, the lawmaker said he engaged in no wrongdoing and the case was settled in 2015. But the health house ethics committee said last week it would investigate Farenthold after congressional sources said he paid an $84,000 settlement using taxpayer money. Um, you know, so he's been in trouble for a little while. Now he just said, eh, I'm not coming back. So we'll see if that, you know, Conyers tried that too, and he ended up leaving. So we'll see uh, if he will be able to make it to the end of his term. That's uh, Republican Representative Blake Farenthold from Texas. Um, Pelosi says uh, lawmaker accused of sexual misconduct should resign. That's uh, she is talking about Representative Reuben Kuhn, Kuhn, who um, is from Nevada, a Democrat. Uh, That was uh, she she says he should resign on December 2nd, one day after a former staffer said Kuhn sexually harassed her during his congressional campaign in 2016. 
Um, she echoed her earlier sentiment on Thursday, today, after a second woman, this time a lobbyist, alleged in an interview with the Nevada Independent that the congressman touched her thighs and buttocks three separate times while he was a state senator and made unwanted sexual advances. No comment from the representative there, but, you know, Pelosi's turned on him, so that's, that's not going to be good. So those are your uh, three stupid men for the day. Uh, the, on the tax plan, we've been talking about the tax plan quite a bit here. Uh, so there's a deal. We all know that. No bill yet, so we don't know all the details. Um, and as you've probably heard in the news, it could still go bad in the Senate. Uh, all likelihood is that it'll pass. I mean, Marco Rubio is, you know, they're down a vote because they lost the election um, in Alabama. So they don't have that vote. So that makes it a one-vote margin. Uh, Corker, of course, uh, he he's not going to help anybody out right now because uh, he was taking bullets from the president. Now, uh, Marco Rubio is saying if he doesn't get a increase in the per-child tax credit that he's not going to vote for it. So they don't have anything to lose. Anybody, any Republican out there right now who wants something can get it, essentially. And so there's a lot of pressure on some of those swing voters and we'll see how that works out. You know, uh, Rubio may not be in any great hurry to help the president out. If you recall, uh, you know, Trump on the campaign trail making fun of Marco Rubio. So we'll see if they can get him in, in line. I, I imagine they'll do something to get him because they have to. They don't have any. They, they don't they don't have any choice. I, I mean, we'll see where this all goes. I, I've expressed my opinion several times uh, on the 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 sort of philosophy behind it. And I don't need to go into all that again. Um, you know, if the, let's put it in place. All right. Let's, we've had the debate. We've had the votes. If they get a deal, they got a deal, put it in place. Uh, and we'll see if that, if these economic theories that the president is espousing and backing, if they are actually based on reality and if the forces at work in the economy will respond favorably or if it's just wishful thinking. Um, we don't know. It could work. <laughs> you know, it's economics. It could work. It might not. We'll find out. Uh, we know for sure the deficit's going to go up, right? We know for sure that's going to happen. The question is whether what they're doing with the cuts in business taxes and the cuts in uh, the high end of the spectrum in terms of the uh, income tax will make a difference. Will this money actually get reinvested back into the economy? That's the question, isn't it? Will it have actual effect on job growth? Will it have actual effect on wages? I don't know. I don't think so. It's never been proven to work, but that's economics, right? It's, it's ultimately subjective, until you have results and you see what happens. A lot of theories out there, but now we're going to really find out. Um, the other big news, of course, is net neutrality. The repeal of net neutrality passed the FCC three to two. No surprise there. Um, I, you know, I haven't, we've talked a lot about net neutrality on this program. We've done some interviews and, you know, for a long time, I honestly wasn't sure if it's good or not. Um, but I, I do have concerns, and I have no doubt that not treating the Internet as a utility will be good for 
uh, many of the businesses that operate in that spectrum for entertainment providers, for uh, service providers, for a lot of the big companies out there. Um, but it should, it should concern you a little bit when you see consolidation of entertainment providers, as we're seeing with Disney buying Fox, uh, or the entertainment portions of Fox, the news that came out today. When you have a consolidation of content in that way, you know, it's, it's just entertainment, right? It's just movies and TV and that sort of thing. But is it consumer-friendly? And I don't think this is ultimately consumer-friendly. As always, I mean, given free range, as I've always said, a corporation will pursue profit above all else. That's just how it works. That's, that is market economics. That is the free market. It's capitalism, and we believe in capitalism. If they can figure out a way to make more money off streaming movies and television and other entertainment, they will. If a cable company can make more money by uh, charging you different prices for different speeds, they will. That's, I mean, there's just, you know, there's no doubt about that. They're not going to benevolently pass on uh, some sort of egalitarian price structure. I mean, that's, that's silly to think that's going to happen. And I think it's silly to think with repealing net neutrality, that everything's going to be okie-dokie fine. You know, Midco, our local cable operator, they've been in here and pledged not to throttle the speed of the internet delivery. And that's fine. They, they very well may not. But that's just a small sliver of what could happen to consumers. I don't have a lot of faith, faith that this will be the best for ordinary people, but I bet there are some people who will make a lot of money. That's the bottom line on the P&L. You can agree or disagree with me. Send me an email, patrick at kso.com. Get on our Twitter feed at plally and shoot us a message. It's always fun. I love to hear from you. Coming up after the news and weather, we'll have the smart cyclist. We're going to recap the riddle box and talk about some cool stuff that's coming up. That's all on the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO. 333 on the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO. Couldn't be happy in the city tonight. And uh, you can't see the stars with neon light. Play a little Jason Isbell today for no good reason worse. other than I want to hear some Jason Isbell. trains all run in reverse. Nobody here can dance like me. Everybody clapping on the one and the three of mine. Last of my kind. Am I? Certainly not the last of his kind. The smart cyclist is in with us for weird friends today. I let that play a little longer than you know normal, just to set the mood. You, it's a nice tune. He's a good quality singer He's songwriter. A good quality singer songwriter. Uh, we welcome the smart cyclist into the studio as we do every week at this time. Uh, and I had mentioned earlier this week uh, I talked about our Riddlebox uh, experience. Uh, the smart cyclist and I rode side by side, and is it or it is true? that you could have dropped me at the end on the climb. Is it not? I am glad that that's safe for me to say now. Yes, certainly. And you were very kind, and you soft-pedaled to let me catch up. I had a heavy commitment to you and us having a grand old time together. So And we tied for 12th. Out. We tied for 12th, <laughs> which is a good result. I mean, I was shocked. Yeah. I was shocked that we tied for 12th. But uh, we should say that uh, the smart cyclist's son, Alonzo, 
took the top step on the podium. Yay! Yes, the big win. We got the trophy. I stole the trophy. It's in the kitchen. He didn't get to take it to school. <laughs> I don't know if he knows that I did that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, pretty exciting for that. Yeah, so Alonzo Christensen won. Uh, Jackson Sunday got second. A young man from Vermilion, good kid. And uh, uh, Eric Tudor from Sioux Center got third. So. I, was, I was re-looking at some podium shots from the season, and Jackson and I and Jackson and Alonzo are in a lot of podiums. More so Alonzo. But, <laughs> but Jackson is in a lot of pictures with us. So yeah, well, pretty he's, good. he's a good kid. Um, that should be mentioned, too. They're kids. They've got a uh, – kids. They're in their 20s or whatever. They've got a, a competitive <laughs> advantage. It's not fair to us old guys. Yes. Uh, but, uh, you know – How'd you feel afterwards? You were good? I was good. It was a great trip out, great trip back. Um, did you mention the treats at the uh, at the turnaround? I, I think I did mention the adult beverage the, and the bacon. The ham and the bacon? <laughs> or the bacon and the ham? It was the bacon and the hams <laughs> from um, the land of sky blue water hams. On the way out, it was fun to see the leaders, Yep, uh, knowing both of them and enjoying that they were both leading. So that was a nice little treat mm-hmm. on the way out and coming back. And yeah, that last hill right up there in the Calico Skies is pretty serious, pretty <laughs> yeah, long. It is long. It's like um, a mile long. Yeah. So that's nice to have. I didn't know. I've never done that route before. No, I had no idea that was coming. So, yeah. <laughs> that was terrible. That was nice. <laughs> no, we yeah. had a good time. Thanks to everybody and out we, there. And we caught our race day nemesis, who that person doesn't reveal themselves until the race is on. And we found him toward the end. And, yep. And got by him. So we could have tied for 13th. But yeah. We managed 12th. We passed somebody. <laughs> that It was fun. And, it uh, was fun. That, you know, that kind of thing is always... Uh, it's it's not that serious, but it's it's uh, fun to have somebody to try and run down. Yes, it is. And that was great down there at Calico Skies. Yeah, they did a, a fantastic job. Great venue. I've, that's my third time there. Only my third time there, but yeah, it's top notch. And it's a Beautiful winery place. there across from just across the river from Canton. So if you're ever in that area, stop by. Uh, they really are wonderful people, and it's a really cool location. Yes. Uh, but in the summer too, not just for bike rides in the winter. And a great place to launch gravel bike ride <laughs> any time of year. It is. Um, but there's a lot of other stuff going on. That's in the past. There's a lot of stuff coming up in the future. Yeah, there's 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 something come up in in just a few hours. Yeah, there are. Uh, uh, I, I've got four holiday type events to highlight. Wow. Want me to go? Yes. Here we go. Please do tonight. The Fab Holiday Right Light Ride, leaving from the Pettigrew Museum. That's at 6 p.m. and sounds like the historic district and some downtown and then Falls Park and its winter wonderlandish landishness. Mm-hmm. And then returning to that Suzanne Museum's Pedigree Museum for their holiday evening festivities. Yeah, they have a lot going on there tonight. We're actually going to talk about that later in the show. So that's that's appropriate. All right. So it ties together with somebody coming up. Huh? Yeah. And if you've never been to the Pedigree, it is a really cool spot. It's the... R.F. Pettigrew's home, who was one of the city founders here, former senator, really a, a bastion yes. of this community. Uh, but his house for many years was a museum, but it was not really a museum. In the, When I was a kid, if you went in there, it was like just stuff stacked up everywhere. You know, there was a teepee right. in there. I think, you know, there was all this like. All the all the stuff a person would collect through their lifetime, and not just one person, like a yes. lot of people. It was like sure. bug collections and moth collections <laughs> and artifacts. It did. It was not curated, maybe in the way that yes. one would expect. But now it is. Now it is, and it'll be dressed up for the holiday. Yeah, right? it'll be like a turn of the century, turn of the nineteenth century <laughs> holiday. I think is what they're running down yes. there. So that'd be really cool. We'll find out more about that at four fifteen. Okay. 
so yeah, the bike ride to and from there, or yep. from and to there. Mm-hmm. And then uh, my own ride, the coffee shop ride, every month, every last Saturday of the month, except when it's not. Um, we're leaving from Kaladi's on New Year's Eve Eve. That'd be December 30th. To New you. Year's Eve Eve? Yes. <laughs> Only <laughs> it's in the morning. <laughs> and it's in the morning. Um, and that starts, that marks the beginning of my fourth year of that ride. Wow. And I get a couple dozen people. Yeah. So, yeah well, it should, be could fun. be more. You know, should be more. Should be more. But a couple dozen's not bad, considering yeah. you started with, like, you. Eight, four. <laughs> yeah. So that's fun. Um, when is that again? The 30th on a, is that a Saturday? That's a Saturday. Okay. 9 a.m. From Kaladis. Kaladis is the traditional December venue for that. The 26th and Minnesota Kaladis. Yes. Are there still more Kaladis? No. No. Okay. That's that just is the one. the one. Yep. Got it. Um, and then New Year's Day. Yes. From Spoken Sport. Yes. The gazillionth annual running of the New Year's Day ride. I think it's like 27, Seven, eight, eight, something like that. Somewhere in there. Yeah. Yep. Often uh, dozens and dozens of people on that ride. Has, has, has in the past laid claim to the biggest ride maybe in the state. That's getting some pressure now from other rides. But, yeah. Uh, but yeah, big, 100, 200, depending on the weather, of course. Yeah. But um, even when it's been really nasty, like. Yeah. They've had the ride. <laughs> yes. I've been on it. It's shorter. <laughs> yes. It's shorter and less populated. But yeah, if it's if it's going to be 35 degrees and little wind, there's going to be 250 people on that yep. thing. That's a blast. And that's fun. Um, yeah, the doors open at noon for that at Spoken Sport. And then there's always uh, the post-ride chili and the frivolity within, mm, the, within frivolity. the confines of the building. So that's fun. I don't miss that one. And then uh, it's not a ride. It's the... on. January 11th, the Fab Razdak Summit. Yes, and we, we mentioned this at one point a couple of weeks yes. ago, but this explain the, the bike summit to the people. So a, a bike summit, a proper bike summit, is an opportunity to invite government officials, um, people interested in living well, um, people who work in the field, plus riders, plus organizers, um, and bring them all together into one room and and talk and present ideas and, and network and, and be present. Um, this summit, while it's not the first bike summit in the state of South Dakota, it is a renewing of an effort from different people than before. And so eh, you might as well call it the first yeah. bike summit. Um, RASDAQ, I think, can lay claim to that being, oh, we haven't said that yet. RASDAQ, the ride across South Dakota, is the organization along with FAB organizing that. And RASDAQ, I say, is the only state-level organization Mm -hmm. in this state. I think um, so. Being the ride across South Dakota. So they can go ahead and lay claim to that title. Of course, we want to include West River people um, and figuring that out. And uh, But yeah, so... They're going to announce the route for next summer's ride across South Dakota. Yes. The the purpose of the RASDAQ organizing the January event is to announce the ride, which... um, yeah, which is the ride is in June, and there are details, and it's for you to go to the event to find that out. And then FAB will do their annual meeting where they take care of business and get everybody together. And, and you take and, over as president. And I, I will take over as president at uh, around 6.30 p.m. that time. And uh, then the, the joint 
Fab Razak part will also kind of just give hints at what is coming in 2018, which will be great for me to hear because I don't know what we're doing in 2018. <laughs> and as president, I should go ahead and start to learn. Yeah, you should. And there'll be other groups there, uh, just people who are interested in cycling and all different kinds of stuff. Yeah, so typically be cool. they'll get some tables and, and yeah. set up different a handful of groups and yeah. we'll mill about and say, oh, what do you do? And oh, what do you do? Talking about riding and camping and racing and all parts of cycling that is just, you know, Getting into the great outdoors. Yep. That'll be outstanding. And that's January 11th at ICON. That is January 11th at ICON. And then let's not forget to mention that the post-meeting, 7.30 p.m., frivolity ensues mm -hmm. with live music from the warning shots. Yes, and I have, I have great trepidation about this. I was just checking to see if the, uh, one of the members of that band is still... Yes, and he is still watching Facebook a regular, Live. A regular listener to the Patrick Lally Show. Biking Brady uh, is in that in that band. They're from Vermilion, which is why I have trepidation. Are you afraid of people from Vermilion anymore? No, I'm not. I don't know what that's going to be like. <laughs> I just ha I have concerns, it'll but that's good. okay. They'll be entertaining, if nothing else. It'll be good. Yes, it'll be great. I'm excited to hear them because yeah. I haven't heard Mr. Brady play. Yeah, so it's a party. It is. It's a party. You have could, to mark your calendars. Could go on till 10 p.m. or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Things are going to get crazy at Icon that night. Yep. Uh, that's a lot going on for a winter in bikes, isn't it? It is. We've come a long way, and I love it. Yeah, that's outstanding. Uh, the Smart Cyclist is here every Thursday, pretty much, and we appreciate you stopping by, Smart Cyclist. Happy to be here, and see you next week. This is the Patrick Lally Show. I should say, coming up next, I always forget to do this. Because, you know, I'm a, I'm a newbie. Uh, Major Thomas Riggs of the Salvation Army. Well, he is here to talk about the Red Kettle Match Day. Big dang deal for Sioux Falls. That's coming up right after this break on the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO. 346.7 on the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO. And a little uh, holiday spirit there from the Bare Naked Ladies. God rest you, merry gentlemen, because it's the holiday season. I'm getting in the spirit, man. Oh, man. Good band. Saw them when they were here. Uh, didn't know they had Christmas songs, but they do. Oh, it's beautiful. And I'm playing holiday music because it is time for the annual Red Kettle Match Day. And we've got Major Thomas Riggs of the Salvation Army in studio with us to talk about that fine day. Major Riggs, thanks for coming in. Thank you for the invitation. It's good to be here. I tell you, this it, that is going to be an event. This is going to be our uh, eighth annual event of that uh, Red Kettle Fill the Bucket. $20 becomes $100. Awesome. So Red Kettle Match Day, what does that mean? Well, what it is, is we have uh, different individuals who have made uh, a commitment that they want to support the Salvation Army so that every time a, a $20 bill comes into any one of our kettles all across uh, Sioux Falls, that, that that $20 is going to become $100 because of, of uh, donors who are supporting the Salvation Army. And well, that's uh, amazing. When you say match day, you sort of think one-to-one. But well, five, it was four to one, right? This is a four to one match. Ha, you know, man. and uh, you know, we just have people that are behind us who support the Salvation Army throughout the year, but then use this opportunity as, as a way to really make a difference. And and our goal for that day, for that one single day, we're we're talking about a forty five thousand dollar goal wow. for one day in that kettle, and it's just going to be fantastic. We've got. Uh, just uh, people are excited. They're, they're coming right now just asking, when is the day? When is the day? Because 
this town is just fantastic. So it's the the bell ringers out in front of uh, various thirty some locations, thirty right? some locations all across all across town. Uh, if it, you do, you have to put in a twenty, or is it just total? It's a twenty dollar bill. So that's every, the whole thing. Twenty every twenty dollar bill. bill. Okay, well that makes a difference, mm-hmm. doesn't it? Yeah. So that's uh. So get your twenties ready. That's correct. And go to every store that you can find. <laughs> <laughs> empty your empty yeah. your IRA and yeah, take, take all those twenties. Right. <laughs> uh, but that's that's interesting that it has to be a twenty. So, um, will there be signs out there saying "Please give a 20 Or how we does that have work? signs on all of our kettles right now that uh, have been put together for us, and it's, it shows the the twenty dollar bill, and then it morphs into a hundred dollar bill, and it's it you know the people are just excited. I've been in different communities where we've tried to do different things to, to, to spark that idea of you know, really supporting the Salvation Army. And this town has just grabbed a hold of that Red Kettle idea. It was a thing they tried once, and then it just picked up, and it just mushroomed into to what it has become today. That's outstanding. So the, um, I think you should tell people exactly what the Salvation Army does. What do we, what's our money being used for? Well, the money that's used here in Sioux Falls, first, we're using it to help people with Christmas. Uh, But beyond that, it helps people stay in their homes. It helps provide rent rent assistance. It helps provide utility assistance. It It helps men and women who are trying to get themselves together. Let's say you're starting a new job. Let's say you're starting a new construction job. And you find out that this job requires a pair of steel-toed shoes, mm-hmm. and you don't have them. We're able to help individuals get those steel-toed shoes. Maybe they need a claw hammer. Maybe they need uh, something that's strictly for their job. And we're able to help them purchase those ideas. Whatever we purchase them for them, because people are behind the Salvation Army, behind the Red Kettle. Um, people who are needing assistance with food, uh, with, with the the pan. Um, with the banquet being closed on a Saturday night and a Sunday night, we're open. And so we're serving anywhere from 80 to 160, 180 people on those nights. The money supports that. Second Thursday of every month, we have a senior uh, commodity distribution. The money helps support that, where we're providing uh, shelf-stable food to, to seniors. Uh, we, we've delivered up today upwards of uh, 400 boxes to seniors. The money is used to pay for that. Major Thomas Riggs with the Salvation Army here in Sioux Falls. You're uh, headquartered over on Cliff, right? North Cliff? 800 North Cliff, correct. And you're, that's the, is that the only place where you operate, or how does no, that work? No, well, you know, we had a thrift store was at 900, but we closed that a couple years ago, and we've taken the uh, 900 North Cliff address and turned that into our uh, social services offices. And so we have that whole campus right there at 800, 900 North Cliff, where people are able to come in and uh, get things that they need, be able to uh, sign up for assistance, be able to come in and pick up a coat for the winter. Uh, we have some cold winters here. I mean, yeah. right now it's you know <laughs> going to be nice, 40 degrees on Saturday. Yeah. Who would have believed it? Still need a coat. Still need a coat. Can't run around in shorts too much. No. Um, do you have any idea exactly how many people you provide assistance for in a given year? Oh, it's it's really a huge number. I will say that the number of children that we're assisting this year is over 1,300. Wow. And With that's clothes and... Clothing, toys. Some and, uh, you know, 500 families for Christmas, um, you know, 180 people on a Sunday night for a dinner. Uh, it's just huge. Now, before uh, the uh, Bishop Dudley 
hospitality house opened up, we were using our gym as a warming site. We did right. that for a number of years, and we would house 200 people in, in our gym. Right. So uh, we've been we've been reaching out to people to assist them and, and help them in, in ways that that um, promote their dignity. The uh do you so you uh, the bell ringing uh is on Saturday the match day but you have the bell ringing throughout the holiday season. We do bell ringing throughout. We start at the uh the uh, couple of days before Thanksgiving. We go to Christmas Eve and uh we're out there Monday through Saturday uh calling need uh bringing awareness to the people that that there are people who are hungry. There are people who who need assistance with uh, their utilities. There are people who need assistance sometimes even with uh, their prescriptions. And it all started uh, back in San Francisco in the uh, late 1800s when a, a young Salvation Army lieutenant wanted to provide food for uh, the widows and the orphans of the mariners. And he thought, well, how can I raise the fund? How can I, I want to provide 1,000 meals. How can I do that? And he remembered seeing something when he was uh, living in uh, London. And so he got himself a black kettle, uh, put it on a tripod, grabbed a hold of a bell, and rang the bell and said, uh, keep the pot boiling. Hmm. Remember the widows and the orphans. Keep the pot boiling. Started in San Francisco, spread across the United States. It's an amazing story. Um, if people, you still need bell ringers? We still need some bell ringers. They can contact the Salvation Army. We'll tell them what they need to do. How do you get to contact the Salvation Army? Oh, just call uh, call our office, uh, 369. Oh, you know what? I forgot my phone number. Isn't that terrible? <laughs> I, 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 I sprung that on you. You could probably just Google Salvation Google Army. Google Salvation, Salvation Army, and that'll Falls, be right there. Yeah. Or stop by. <laughs> Come on, 800, 800 North Cliff. Cliff. It's always good to get in there and see how things work anyway, right? Yes. Uh, Major Thomas Riggs of the Salvation Army. This Saturday is Red Kettle Match Day. Looks like it's going to be a great day. Thank you, sir, for being here. Thank you for being This is the Patrick Lally Show on Information 1000 KSOO. Three fifty-seven on the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO. And continuing in our holiday spirit here at the Palatial Studios, the festive studios of KSOO. Got the hoodoo gurus for you, huh? How about a little that? Their version of Little Drummer Boy. Kind of a surf, surfy version of Little Drummer Boy. Not exactly sure why they picked that, but they did. So there you go. Happy holidays to everybody. Hey, coming up. Tonight, tonight, tomorrow, Saturday, and Sunday, Christmas at the Cathedral. We've been talking about this for a while. Well, it's here. All four nights, 7.30 plus a 1 p.m. performance on Saturday and 2 p.m. on Sunday. Proceeds will benefit the Bishop Dudley House and Cathedral of St. Joseph. Ongoing care and maintenance endowments. That's ccfesd.org for more information about that. Or you can just Google Christmas at the Cathedral, and you'll find it. Coming up in the next hour, we've got all kinds of stuff going on. We've got, uh, we're going to have a visit from Dan Brentro, updating us on his efforts to fund research on Frederick's ataxia. We've got Benson Langett, who is a, just recently sponsored as a distance runner, kind of a pro deal. It's pretty cool. You're going to be interested in that. And also, we're going to talk about the Pettigrew Homes big event tonight, their holiday celebration, and that should be pretty fun. So you're going to want to stay tuned for that. And 
Coming up tomorrow on the show, by the way, you're going to want to stay tuned because we're going to talk about it with Fran Sepler. She's an expert on sexual harassment and assault in the workplace. That's going to be fun. But stay tuned after the weather. We'll talk. We'll continue on the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO. This weather forecast is brought to you by Edward Jones. You deserve an investment strategy that works as hard as you do. And your local Edward Jones financial advisor can help. Call 1-800-ED-JONES. Edward Jones, making sense of investing. And we bring in live from the KDLT Weather Center, Mr. Alex Alisi, still the freshly scrubbed new chief meteorologist with KDLT. Alex, how is it going out there? It's going fantastic, Patrick. Getting myself acclimated to Sioux Falls, getting my feet wet or snowy. Yeah. Going well. So that was kind of weird today. I was uh, riding in and the sun was kind of out, but it was snowing. That kind of freaked me out, man. What was that? A little snow shower action. I know. I, I took a picture of my dog too. He's kind of confused by the snowflakes coming in. Put on Twitter, but yeah, I mean, we just had some light snow showers. It's good, no accumulations. Uh, but we'll continue to see some more of that going into the evening. And for you know, mid December, it's not so bad out there, is it? Oh yeah. It, I mean, it's mild. I mean, our temperatures the past few days have been in the forties. Uh, expecting the forties to continue, but you know, Patrick, I do have a pretty big cool down coming in next week uh it's gonna be kind of startling because uh, on wednesday we're gonna be in the 40s but then by thursday we're gonna be dropping through to 30s it's, it's gonna be pretty pretty brutal on next thursday oh that's way down the line man it Come is on. it is <laughs> so yeah i mean it's time to soak up the sunshine i mean this weekend looking great temperatures in the upper 30s plenty of sunshine by monday it's gonna be pretty good in the next couple of days which, Which is, is great for moving here because everyone tends to love it when the weather is nice and the new meteorologist is giving them nice weather. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's going to be great for the last big shopping weekend in the city of Sioux Falls. So that's wonderful. Exactly. People like to get out. You know, if it's if it's crappy, they're like, I'm not going to maybe do as much as I would have. So this no, is no. When it's cold and gloomy, you don't want to get out of bed. No, no, that's exactly <laughs> right. Uh, so. Coming up, you, you said, talked about the weekend and the temperatures in the 30s, like wind, clouds. What what are we talking about? Sure, yeah. So uh, Saturday, we're going to be mostly cloudy as we head into the night. A slight chance for a few flurries, kind of like what we saw today. There's a few on and off snow showers as we go from Saturday night into Sunday morning. And then Sunday, we're looking cloudy, but those temperatures, again, staying mild. 37 for the high in Sioux Falls. Uh, Pier looking pretty good as well. A little bit of morning mix on Sunday. Uh, Aberdeen, partly cloudy, 35, but... The rest of the week, Monday, looking fantastic. We'll have plenty of sunshine, a little breezy, but those temperatures staying mild, 42. By Tuesday, partly sunny, 38. But then again, Wednesday, that's Mm -hmm. the day I'm looking at because we'll start to see some changes coming in. Uh, We'll get a high of 40 degrees by Wednesday, but then you'll start to notice more cloud cover rolling in. Those winds really starting to pick up. Uh, we got a low-pressure system, which means for you, colder air coming in on Thursday. Yeah, but how about uh, snow? That's what most people are, you know, we could take a little cold, a little wind, that's fine. But when it's coupled with, you know, a foot of snow, that's a different deal entirely. It makes a complete difference. Yeah. And, I mean, I moved up further north, I'm expecting more snow, but then you get snow down in Texas, it's like the complete opposite. Something's um, wrong. <laughs> yeah, we won't, we won't see much. Again, we'll see a few flurries through the weekend, uh, mostly Saturday night into Sunday. It's next Thursday that we got a better chance for some more significant totals. Uh, actually, you know, getting some totals that we can measure but right now, it's just looking like Thursday's going to be windy and cold, uh, and we're not going to see too much snow. So, but I mean, not, I know winter weather lovers, they want the snow. Yeah. I'm more of a summer lover, so I like <laughs> the warmer weather. So we got a little bit of everything for everyone. But no significant storms on the horizon. 
Uh, nine till Wednesday night into Thursday. That that's that's the next uh, system that I'm worried about, and I'm going to be keeping a close eye on. I know uh, Blaze and Joe they're watching it as well. Joe he loves the winter weather, so he's he's looking forward to seeing some more of that significant snow. Again, I me I I can deal without it. Yeah, I'm supposed to go uh, cross country skiing out in the hills. Okay, and, over New Year's, and there's still no snow out there. <laughs> this yeah, is an I issue. Yeah, I know um, the local mountain here. They're trying to make some snow, and it's just been so mild. Yeah, it's not good. So uh, give us the short term. Tonight, tomorrow, what's it going to look like? Sure, yeah. So tonight, looking fine. Snow starts to wrap up by around 8, 9 o'clock. Uh, those light flurries that we're seeing right now, they'll be on their way out. Winds will pick up just a little bit, but we'll start to see that wind shifting around from the west-southwest. So that's going to bring in some more mild and warmer air for tomorrow. Tomorrow, just looking mostly to partly cloudy skies. We'll see a little bit of sun peeking out, but otherwise mostly cloudy. Uh, high of 41 degrees, so looking pretty pleasant. Tomorrow by Sunday, again, we'll be tracking just a chance for some morning snow, a uh, slight chance, not any widespread blanketing, whiteout conditions, just some light flurries, and then mostly cloudy through the day. So the weekend actually not looking that bad. It's going to be mild if you need to get outside, do some of that shopping, uh, just dealing with a little bit of that flurry Saturday night into Sunday. Alex Alisi, Chief Meteorologist at KDLT Weather. Thanks for filling us in, man. Yeah, great talking to you. Coming up next on the Patrick Lally Show, we're going to be talking with Kevin Gans. He is the uh, fr- he's from the Pettigrew Home and Museum. We're going to talk about a big event they have going on there tonight. That's all coming up next on the Patrick Lally Show. Information one thousand KSOO four twelve on the Patrick Lally Show. Information one thousand KSOO. And we continue our holiday theme. With Brian Setzer, with Jingle Bells action. It's going to be a little more traditional evening tonight, celebrating the holidays at the Pettigrew Home and Museum. And so we got on the line Kevin Gans, who is down at the museum right now and handles a bunch of stuff down there. Kevin, thanks for joining us. My pleasure, Patrick. So uh, the Pettigrew Home and Museum, uh, as I was saying earlier on the program, is a really cool place. It's the home of R.F. Pettigrew. Now, when I was a kid, it was kind of a ramshackle event. It's not that way anymore, is it? It isn't. A major restoration was done of the house in the 1980s. And so uh, we kind of redid the galleries, so there's more interpretive themes to our galleries right now. And just to put everybody's uh, you know, fears at ease, we do still have all of the stuff that they remember from when they were a kid. So. It's just organized? <laughs> it's just organized. A lot of it is in storage. A lot of it had been out for years and years and years and needed a little bit of a rest. So, yeah, uh, so now it makes its way out in different uh, exhibits that we do throughout the museum system. So, um, so tonight is Christmas-themed, holiday-themed. Tell us uh, what's going to be happening this evening. Well, we're going to be open from 5 to 8 this evening, and something that's really great is the historic house is decorated for the holidays. So we have our Christmas tree up. It's uh, kind of that Victorian theme, uh, looking at how the house may have looked in the late 1800s, early 1900s. We also will have a harpist who is going to be playing inside the house. We have a bell choir from a local church that's going to be playing this evening, and also we are offering free horse-drawn wagon rides around the block. Oh, it's outstanding. Um, so it really, it's sort of a period-themed, is it? It is, yeah. We're trying to just give people a little bit of an idea of how the holidays may have been celebrated in early Sioux Falls, especially 
an, an upper-middle-class home like the Pettigrew uh, house here, just to kind of give you an idea of, of what it may have looked like. So, you know, we've got the, the dining room table is, is set for everyone to sit down and have a Christmas dinner, and, uh, you know, there's presents under the tree. So, so lots of great things to see. Uh, so tell us about the house again. So it's R.F. Pettigrew's home. When was it built? The house was built in 1889, so same year that South Dakota became a state. Uh, but it wasn't originally built for the Pettigrew family. Uh, this was known as the McMartin residence. Uh, Thomas and Jenny were newlyweds, and this was their, their starter home here in Sioux Falls. And uh, they, lived in, they lived in the house here for about 20 years before it, uh, the senator purchased it in 1911 as a home for he and his wife. And uh, he lived here until his death in 1926. And when did it get uh, become a museum? When did that all happen? Upon uh, his death, Pettigrew had left the home and his museum to the city of Sioux Falls. He wanted it uh, to be maintained as a museum. He wanted it to be free and open to the public. And so, uh, you know, there was a little back and forth uh, between the family and the city, but um, the museum officially opened uh, to the public in 1930, and uh, operate and has operated since 1930 here. So, um, at different times, of course, in the house, um, there were curators that actually lived here in the home, and the galleries that are on the back of the house were were the museum. Uh, a lot of people, of course, will remember the bird room that was on the second floor, full of all of the of the stuffed birds and such. So, um, there were a lot of interesting uh, things, artifacts that were that were donated to the museum and displayed for for quite a while here in the home. I remember a teepee. Is that true? There is a teepee, and it was Senator Pettigrew's teepee. Uh, it was made from steer hides, and it was, uh, it was sewn by a Blackfoot woman in Montana. We still have the teepee in the collection. Uh, it is just in a condition that I don't think that's probably going to be able to be exhibited again. Oh, we really? do have a new teepee exhibit down at the old courthouse museum, and for the opening of that exhibit... We actually pulled the teepee out, and we had it uh, laid out in our law library floor so those that remembered the teepee could still take another glimpse of it. That's amazing. Is it, it's just sort of deteriorating, I imagine, over it's time. It's incredibly fragile. At one point, uh, curators had painted it with, an, with a house paint, kind of a tan house paint, which is soaked into the leather. So it's very brittle um, and in, in really kind of a very delicate condition. Yeah, that, that maybe wasn't the best idea. Painting. We all have some ideas sometimes. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, so uh, tell us a little bit about, um, you, we've been talking about the holiday event tonight, but just on any given day, uh, what do you experience when you come to the uh, Pettigrew Home and Museum? Well, the Pettigrew Home and Museum is open uh, seven days a week. We're in our winter hours right now, so we're open noon to five daily, and uh, you can come in, and one of our staff or our volunteer docents would be happy to give you a tour through the historic home. Uh, tour lasts about 30 minutes. We have uh, some gallery areas as well. Currently on exhibit, we have um, uh, Pettigrew Travels. In 1897, Senator Pettigrew took a trip to China and Japan. If you can imagine, in 1897, not many Americans were traveling to China and Japan uh, at that time, but he went, kept a journal of that experience, and we have an entire exhibit put together based on his journal with artifacts that he brought back. 
And if you're going to be in the Pacific, when you come back, why not stop in Hawaii? Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> uh, the senator stopped in Hawaii as well, so we have a few artifacts from his Hawaiian stop. On the second floor, if you're interested in the early history of Sioux Falls, we've got some great early history of the community from the mid-1880s to uh, just, uh, just around 1920. And taking a look at, you know, most of what we think of as historic Sioux Falls, that's when this, you know, these buildings were built and, and, and things of that nature. So you can learn a little bit more about Sioux Falls during that time period. It's a, a tremendous period of growth in the history of the community. And then for everybody that does remember the Pettigrew from a long time ago, we have what we call our Cabinet of Curiosities. Yes. Which are just, uh, we have some cases in an area that are full of things that you would probably remember. Uh, a lot of people remember all the different guns that were in the, in the collection. We have an array of those and all pieces that were in the Senator's original gallery. Uh, we're talking with Kevin Gans. He is, what is your title down there at the Pettigrew? I get a great title, Curator of Education. That is outstanding. Um, so is it, when you come to the uh, museum on a regular basis, is there a charge? It is free. Um, and that's one of the things that Senator Pettigrew himself wanted. He wanted this to be maintained as a free museum. What about the, uh, you talked about the uh, curiosities. I, I, I'm never going to forget, like, the moths and the beetles and the, the you know, they were collections. They were dead. <laughs> but they were they were pinned up on these boards in drawers and stuff. Do you still have all that? Quite a bit of that stuff. Now, obviously, things like the insects and such, a lot of that over time just simply deteriorates. Um, you know, and certainly, you know, some things have made it, some haven't. Um, you know, but, uh, you know, that's, that's just uh, time taking its toll. Uh, and that's what we try to do now. And, and that's why kind of there was the reorganization of the museum in an attempt to make sure that there wasn't any further deterioration of those artifacts that everybody remembers and loves. What were those all the senators or were they just stuff that accumulated over time? Accumulation over time, uh, you know, after the museum opened, um, you know, the, the museum took in new artifacts and new loans and donations. And uh, so, you know, these were a lot of these pieces were people from the community who thought, this should be preserved for posterity's sake and, and, uh, and donated those to the museum. That's kind of wild. Um, so the, I think probably a lot of people um, have moved here from other places, obviously, and they don't have sort of that broad uh, experience with uh, South Dakota and Sioux Falls history. This really is a marvelous place. If you've just moved here, if you're, you know, been here for a while and just haven't gotten in touch with the museum, it really is a fantastic place to learn more about our city. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, you know, that's, that's the thing. R.F. Pettigrew, how I like to always refer to him as a founding father of Sioux Falls. Um, you know, the Fort Dakota, which had operated here, the military owned in what was downtown Sioux Falls. The army marched out um, at the beginning of summer of 1869, and Senator Pettigrew, he came in just after the army left. So he got to see the, the growth of this community. He got to help found it. And, and really make Sioux Falls what it is today. So it's a, a great uh, way to, to get that experience and, and figure out how this uh, community really got to be. Yeah, you know, there's a couple other uh, RF Pettigrew uh, interesting uh, sites in this community. One of them is a statue of the man that's down, I believe, at Falls Park West, right? Absolutely. There's a, there's a statue to him. with uh, He has speech in hand, uh, and uh, we have plenty of his speeches 
Uh, he was never one to, to deny giving a speech. Uh, no. So um, certainly, you know, and he, he comes here early and he gets involved in a lot. He's a territorial legislator. Um, he, goes, he goes to Congress uh, for the territory. And in 1889, when South Dakota becomes a state, he gets elected as our first full-term senator. So uh, a pretty important guy. Um, and just recently, the school district honored him by naming one of the new elementary schools after him. Yeah, and his his uh, uh, tomb, his mausoleum, is in Sioux Falls over at the cemetery on 33rd and Cliff there, Woodlawn, I think it's called. And it, that is an impressive structure in and of itself. Uh, it sort of demonstrates the, uh, the power and the influence of the man on our community. Absolutely. And you know what? This is a great thing. He's a founder of Woodlawn Cemetery. Oh, really? I didn't uh, know that. He actually put the men together who, uh, who started the cemetery out there. Um, and strangely, on the, on the day he died, he had been out at work at the cemetery helping. He was uh, helping turn it in from a farm into a cemetery uh, and came back to the home here. And later that, that day, he had a stroke here at the house and passed away. Oh, my. Um, but, he's, but he's a founder. And What's really great, if you go in the main entrance off of 26th and Cliff uh, area there, um, you're going to see the petrified arch, uh, you know, with the, the entrance to Woodlawn there. And that's all petrified wood that the senator had collected. And, uh, you know, he said people would stand in awe of that. It would be like looking at the Taj Mahal. So That's pretty cool. <laughs> um, and just remind folks about the event tonight, the hours, and, and what they'll see. Uh, we are free tonight to come and see the Pettigrew Home and Museum. We're from 5 to 8 o'clock tonight. The, the house is uh, decked for the holidays. We've got music in the home, free horse-drawn uh, wagon rides around the block. So come on down and join us for a little bit of a holiday evening here at the Pettigrew. That sounds great. Kevin Gans from the Pettigrew Home and Museum. Thanks for taking a few moments to fill us in. It was my pleasure. Thanks for having me on. Coming up next on the Patrick Lally Show, we're going to talk to Dan Brentro, get an update on his efforts to try and cure Friedrich's ataxia. That's after the news and weather on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. 431 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. And a couple of weeks ago, we had on the program Dan Brentro and uh, Peter Vitello, Vitiello. There, I got it right the second time. Uh, and we talked about uh, Friedrich's ataxia and some research that uh, Peter Vitellio is doing in his lab and the efforts by Mr. Brentro to raise money to fund that research for a year because his daughter, Rihanna, has Friedrich's ataxia. And we thought it would be good to get Dan back on the show to get an update on how that's been going. First of all, Mr. Brentro, thanks for coming back in. Thank you for having me again. So we talked about uh, you had set up a crowdfunding uh, site at um, uh, thefinishline.org, right? That's right, yes. And you launched that that week uh, with a goal of $75,000. Correct. Where are we today? Uh, I just checked it a minute ago. We're around $52,000 after 16 days. Is that good? That's pretty good. We're, uh, we're on track to raise the full amount if we can keep, keep this pace. So if you make it to 75000 what will that do for you? So what, uh, as, as the background, then we, we had, uh, you know, this is a rare disease with no cure and no treatment. And as, as parents of a child with a rare disease, you get desperate to find ways to help and push along towards a cure. By a set of uh, uh, unusual and random circumstances, we ran into uh, Dr. Vitiello at the Sanford Research 
laboratory here in Sioux Falls, and he has uh, essentially was a mothballed study from five years ago that made a new discovery about uh, something related to Raina's disease. And by talking it through for uh, a few weeks, uh, came to the understanding that we could privately fund a, a restart or a relaunch of that same study and push this disease towards a cure. And the, the, the best part about this is that by using private money, you can basically short circuit all of the red tape and waiting periods that are associated with federal funding or with private foundation money. And remind folks what Friedrich's ataxia is. So it is a, uh, a rare genetic disorder that causes a protein deficiency at the cell level. Uh, there's something inside our cells called the mitochondria, which are like the, the battery pack or the power plant for the cell. And in diseases like Friedrich's ataxia, the, there's a protein called frataxin that, that goes awry. It does, there's not enough being made. And without enough frataxin, the cells start to uh, go, undergo oxidative stress uh, and then start to die. And so in the simplest terms, a protein deficiency is causing my daughter's heart and nerve cells to die too soon, meaning that she's losing nerve function, losing motor ability, uh, losing heart function, and uh, essentially causing heart disease uh, at a rate much faster than, than normal. And so typically these kids end up using wheelchairs uh, in high school and have heart disease in high school. So she's 16 now. She was diagnosed when she was 11. Uh, I think we figured out it was 12. 12, yeah. okay. So, yeah. but five years ago-ish. Yes. So, uh, and she is now uh, in a wheelchair, right? Uh, part of her days, yeah. So her school days she spends in a wheelchair because it's, it's easier for mobility issues yeah. and to conserve energy. And then at home she's able to walk around a little more? That's yes. good. Yes. Um, what's this been like? You, like I said, he launched a couple of weeks ago, up over 50,000. What's the experience been for you um, telling this story over and over again and, and raising money and fighting this fight? At a practical level, telling the story over and over again allows me to tell it without tearing up each time or at least get farther into the story before that happens. Uh, it's been an overwhelming emotional experience, uh, just incredibly uh, rewarding because of the response we received from you know, friends, family, but also total strangers that are helping to fund this. Uh, and uh, you know, people approaching me on the street that, that uh, maybe knew me casually or, or not at all and recognize what's going on and, and want to know more. And for Rihanna, how, is, how has it been for her? Uh, because, you know, she's the focus of the story. Yeah, she's, uh, she's a little bit of a celebrity, I think, and I think uh, I, it's probably puzzling to deal with at first, but she's taking it in stride, and, and you know, she definitely wants everyone to, to know that this is not about her, and, 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 and I agree. This, this is about the 4,000 kids just like her and the 8,000 parents just like me that are desperate to figure something out. Um, we're here with Dan Brentro. He is a Sioux Falls attorney, and his daughter, Raina, has Friedrich's ataxia, and he's trying to cure it, plain and simple, and raising $75,000 to fund a year-long research project to do that. Um, we've talked about the, the, the wild set of circumstances that led you to Peter Vitiello's studio, lab and Sanford. Um, when you told them you were going to raise 75000 do you think they really believed you that you could do it? 
Um, I think uh, Dr. Vatila did. Uh, I, I think I think they were waiting to see if it would work. Uh, but uh, you know, one of the first people to donate to this was Dr. Vitiello, and so I think uh, I think they knew this was possible, and, and it was just a matter of how long it was going to take. So, uh, what's what's it been like uh, as you have made progress in terms of? Uh, Dealing with uh, not just Peter, but other folks surrounding him in the in the healthcare industry, um, are they sh- shocked, surprised? What what do they say to you when you tell them what you're doing? I, you know, I uh, I really don't know what 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 they say, and I, I think it's it's just a a very unique set of circumstances that led us here, and I I for me there is no other option like when you're faced with an opportunity like this and uh, a possibility like this you just do it you mm-hmm. don't you don't ask questions about why or how uh, or if you just go make it happen what's the deadline here for this phase so christmas eve uh they, they make you pick a deadline on these crowdfunding pages and so i thought that eleven fifty nine on christmas eve would be a, a good cutoff time um this you know we're giving the gift of science, the gift of hope to 4,000 kids and 8,000 parents. And so that seemed like a, a good time to cut it off. And, and part of it, there's probably a science to it as far as how long you have. But we did this in the fall for a marathon, and we did 26,000 in 12 days. And so I just sort of extrapolated out what I thought we could accomplish in, in you know, three yeah. and a half weeks. It seemed like a good time. It's thefinishline.org. Yes. Right, and you just go and find Brentro, B-R-E-N-D-T-O, right? Brent, so, yeah, actually, right. if you go to thefinishline.org, uh, it'll take you straight to the, the crowdfunding page. Okay, and then you find it right there. Um, I will also put that link up on our way, on our Twitter feed again, at P. Lally Show, if people want to find it. Um, any other any other ways that people can help? I mean, is, is there anything else you need? Sure, well, so one of the, the best parts about this story has been letting the crowd fund this. And so we, we started the the page and and it started getting momentum. And this week I started finding about all kinds of organic activities that, that I had no idea about that someone else is taking control of. And so if you go to any of the children's uh, production shows of a Christmas story at the Washington pavilion this week or next week, there's going to be a bake sale in the lobby at the pavilion that is raising money for this. Uh, if you go to Sanaa's restaurant uh, on 8th Street uh, on the 23rd of December, there's going to be some kind of a, a, a band playing. I think it's a jazz band and dinner, and the money that they raise from that is going to go to this. Um, I found that uh, a, an office full of state employees uh, decided to give their Christmas party money to this cause instead of <laughs> having a party. Wow. Um, and there is a uh, there's a retweet effort going on at Augustana College. There's a tweet that if you continue retweeting it, someone's paying two dollars every time it gets a retweet. <laughs> That's amazing. And uh, you know, there, I think there's a couple more, and I'm I'm forgetting. There was it was this unbelievable list that that suddenly appeared this week, and. Um, that that's how this works, you know. Someone else kind of takes up the, the reins and, and starts uh, and starts driving it too. So wow, it's an amazing story. Dan Brentro, his daughter has Friedrich's ataxia, and he's going to cure it by raising seventy five thousand to fund a year of research with Sanford Research. 
Uh, Dan, thanks for coming in and updating us, and we'll touch back down with you when we get closer to the deadline. Absolutely. Thank you very much. Outstanding. We will, next coming up, we'll talk with uh, Benson, uh, you know, Langett, Langett, Benson Langett. He is a distance runner in Sioux Falls, and he's recently gotten a big sponsorship, and it's just a great story. Stay with us for the Patrick Lally Show on Information 1000 KSOO. 444 on the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO. And I am very pleased to have in the studio with us today, Benson Langett. Benson is a runner in Sioux Falls, but he's not just a runner. He is recently been named as a uh, sponsored athlete by Skechers. Is that correct? Skechers. Do I say that right? Yep, you did it. Uh, anyway, Benson, thanks for coming in today and uh, filling us in on your story. First of all, I think it's important for people to hear your story. How did you end up in Sioux Falls, South Dakota? Uh, first of all, um, I'm from Kenya. Um, I came to the United States. I didn't come straight to Sioux Falls, but I came to... Um, uh, basically to the U.S. Um, to do track and field and also um, attend school. And so um, I came to Kansas, uh, a junior college in Kansas. That's where it's easy to go to a junior college than a four-year school. And so I started at the junior college in Kansas and then um, ended up at USD where I was recruited by University of South Dakota to finish my two years of um, college. And so that's how I ended up in, you know, in South Dakota and I was in the process of moving out of South Dakota, you know, and going somewhere warm. But then <laughs> <laughs> I uh, moved to Sioux Falls, and I've stayed here since I graduated. When did you graduate? Uh, then May of 2014. And uh, what's your degree? I am um, a double major in business administration and health science. Oh, wow. That's impressive. Yeah. So, and you are, uh, you spend a lot of time running. I do now, yep. <laughs> uh, but uh, you also work, and you, uh, where do you work? I work, as, I'm an assistant manager uh, down at the Six of Five Running Company, and I am also a private coach as well uh, through um, Six of Five Running Company as well. So how did you become a runner? We're going to talk about how fast you are here in a minute, but how did you start running? Um, really, I, I didn't, I was not a runner in, you know, high school at all. I was a rugby player. I played soccer. You know, running was not a thing for me. So I chose running just because I, um, my cousin who went to University of Alabama and um, I also, another cousin that went to a school in Florida told me, hey, you can come to the United States and, you know, um, attend college through, while you run track and field and that helps, you know, pay for school. And I was like, wow, that's a great opportunity. So, I mean, after high school, I stopped um, I stopped playing rugby. I stopped doing all the other things, and I started focusing on running. And that's how I basically started running. So it took me one and a half years to basically, basically get in shape and, uh, and started running. But you're, you're living in Kenya, mm -hmm. you know, and Kenyans have a great reputation for running. Yep. But how do you go from being, you know, oh, I'm going to run, to end up getting a, you know, a, even a junior college scholarship? Um, it was hard. You know, I, uh, I, was, I was a heavy guy. I was 208 pounds. You're kidding me. How tall? You're not very <laughs> tall. I know. I was 208 pounds. It's because rugby we needed, you know, to Bulk. be building, you know, you know, stuff like that. And so um, 
I needed to, um, you know, shed off some weight. So I, I went through a lot of different challenges with that. Um, it was not easy for me that I had, but then I had a lot of people were pushing me. Um, it actually was fun because there was a coach that found an interest in me, in coaching me. When he saw me walking out by myself, he's like, I'll take you, I'll walk with you. And he really walked with me, and I didn't really understand a lot of times, you know, like with the specific distance. But then I ran a race, and he told me, you did really, really well. I'm like, okay, what is that? You know, what yeah. does that mean? And and so with that whole process, you know, I kept training and training harder three times a day sometimes. It became my full-time job. And so um, I coach from, you know, from a junior college here, you know, um, actually one it was a University of Alabama coach. He came to visit Kenya, and he did a time trial, and he took all my information and said, hey, I'll talk to some people, and we'll get you up there. And So were you down to uh, your current fighting weight by, by that time? I was at around 154, and then by the time I was coming to the States, I was at 140. Wow. So that's a so you lost sixty eight pounds. Yeah, I think. So, in a year and a half? Yeah. That's it, impressive. Yeah, it took a lot of training. So um but yeah, it it was a lot of hard work. I had to quit a, you know, running and then come back to it again because I, I was missing something and then quit again and it took a lot of time to get used to that. But when you started you were two hundred and eight pounds, you're walking around, you had no idea if you were fast or not, did you? I had no idea. I was just trying to see if it works hard for me. So you are at, Can- what, what was the junior college in Kansas? Uh, Butler Junior College. What town? Uh, close to Wichita. Okay. So you're at this junior college in the middle of Kansas. Mm-hmm. How did you get noticed by USD? I actually, um, I ran at Kansas Relays and um, some of the cross-country races. And I, I ran into Fitz before um, the USD coach. And I didn't really meet him in person, but, you know, I I like the color of the, you know. Like, yeah, red. Good <laughs> to go to, you know. That's wild. And well, then, but they showed an interest in you. Yeah, and then I reached out to him as well, you know, um, because it was getting to that time. I was really trying to make decisions about, you know, where should I go for college visits because I had some offers and I just wanted to make sure that I was going to the right schools. And I went to college visits down in North Carolina, Kentucky, um, Indiana, some of the schools. I came to USD, it was one of my last visits, and, you know, swinging down with my friends from Nebraska, and it's like, oh, I'll go check USD out, and it was just part of, like, um, my visit to, I mean, to Nebraska, and um, I don't know, I liked it, and and, uh, I decided I was going to go to school there. So what do you, what did you run? What distances? I ran the long distance, but when I was coming to USD, I came, coming with a shoulder injury. I had displaced my shoulder blade at that time uh, down in Kansas, but, you know, and then Fitz walked with me and, you know. Fitz is the a, coach. yeah, and yeah. what's his, uh, what was his full name again? Uh, Dan Fitzsimmons. Yes, Dan Fitzsimmons. He's yeah. been there for a long time. Yeah. Um, and so you started running cross country? Yeah, and track and cross country. So you did track in the in the spring. Mm-hmm. What? So you did what the uh, the three k in the indoor five k. Okay. Uh, once in a while I did a mile, but then uh, outdoors I did five k, ten k's. Wow. So. Okay. And so now you're moving. You moved to Sioux Falls. Yes. And you're a college track athlete. 
but that doesn't necessarily translate into the long distances. It's not. It's not. It does not necessarily translate. So I mean, I when I moved to Sioux Falls, I had a job, you know, and I was tired of running and you yeah. know and everything, and so I needed a break, and I didn't know I was gonna get back to it, you know. So I, um, I took a break, and I think I took a longer break that I, I you know, I needed to. By the time I was starting to get back to running, it feels like you're starting over again. And so I didn't have a lot of motivation. But, you know, my coach down at USD, um, Fitzsimmons, he told me, hey, why don't you go to down to uh, this uh, running store downtown? You go check that out. They have group runs and stuff like that. I went down there, and there was a group run. I met, you know, Greg, general manager there, and he told me we have group runs and things like that. And then I felt like, you know, I was getting back my my running thing again, so I yeah. started running, and it's taken me to places, and you know, it's done a lot of great things to me. So, so you've moved up to the half marathon. Yes. And tell tell the good people out there who are runners and know what this means. What's your what's your PR in the half marathon? Um, I did this PR without even knowing that I was actually running a race. I was just doing it just because of how I felt. And I ran a uh, one hour eight minutes. That's fast. <laughs> <laughs> so, so then you've got this. You've you've got some good times. How did you end up getting the attention of Skechers? Um, ske- um it's just through um, the reps that come through the store, and you know they talk about different things, and they found interest in me, and even through my coach, they know I was, you know, working hard on specific goals and stuff like that, and so they found interest in me, um, and they offered me an opportunity, so. That's great. So you're going to be a Skechers-sponsored athlete, which gets you what? Uh, it gets me a lot of different things in terms of um, I get to represent them, you know, um, I get to attend the specific races. Um, they invite me to um, pretty much, like, um, be a, be a big, you know, one of the big ambassadors. That's great. Um, and what's your goal here? You you have not done, uh, you haven't made the leap to marathoning, yeah. but what's your goal? I've ran two marathons. I didn't walk out as well, but so I have a lot left, you know, to do in that. But um, my goal is to make it to the Olympics, um, to qualify for the Olympic trials. If and, what do you ha- well. and what do you have to run to do that? Two hours, 18 minutes in a marathon. And then uh, under 65 or better in the half marathon. So you've ran 68. You're only three minutes off the pace in the half mm-hmm. to get you there. But you have to, to qualify for the uh, – you will, will, will have wanted to run some more marathons <laughs> yeah. before then, right? <laughs> yeah. When is that? When will that happen? Um, I can qualify any time between now and January of 2020. That's when you, can, you have a big window to qualify but um, the trials will be January of 2020. Um, I think I'm not sure if it's January, some mm-hmm. March, some somewhere around there, and then um, we can be able. You know, we have a window between now and yeah. then. Benson Langett, he is a Skechers sponsored runner, and he is the assistant manager down at 605 Running. You can stop in and say howdy. Get some tips, right? Absolutely. Uh, congratulations on your Thank sponsorship, you. and we'll look forward to watching you uh, progress. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for having me. This is the Patrick Lally Show on Information 1000 KSOO.
457 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. It's Radio Clash, which means it's the end of the show, people. The end of the day. I want to tell you, though, now through December 24th, Miracle on 41st Street Toy Drive, drop off a new toy, cash donation, or item of need at the Children's Inn gift wrapping booth in the Macy's Wing of the Empire Mall. Have your gifts wrapped at the booth for a cash donation to Children's Inn. For a list of items of need, click on our website, ksoo.com. A special thanks to Great Plains Dental, Great Western Bank, and Excel Energy for helping sponsor this year's event, and it is a good one and a great cause. If You, you need your presents wrapped anyway, because, you know, if you're like me, you're not any good at it. So get out there and let somebody else do it and help out. The kids and families at Children's Inn. Coming up on the show tomorrow, Fran Sepler. She's an expert on sexual harassment and assault in the workplace, and she works with South Dakota companies. The Buffalo Maiden will check in from the Black Hills Bureau for Weird Friends. That's from 3 to 5 tomorrow here on Information 1000 KSOO. Thanks for being here, everybody. Have a good evening. We'll see you tomorrow.